If you will, take your Bible and turn to the passage that we uh, walked through a little bit on Wednesday night in a different light. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. It's a part of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1. And what I'd like to do is get it in front of us uh, to start our message. So if you have and found this a scripture and you can, would you stand to honor the reading of God's holy word? Luke chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 26. And it reads like this. In the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement. Wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Older translations say, Fear not. For you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Let's pray together. Father, this morning I pray that as we take a look into your word, that you will answer all our questions. That you will come and reside in us so that when we leave, that we'll be changed never to be the same. Speak. Remove me. Let your word be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We live in a culture that loves to ask, why? Why? Has anybody ever heard that question? Why? In fact, I've heard it so much that sometimes it can be annoying. Hello? Could I get an amen? If you're a parent or a grandparent, it can be really annoying. Uh, Tate, would you uh, lower our lights? I didn't ask you this before the service. Would you lower our lights? 
the skit boys give us uh, kind of a fun view of this thing about annoying questions. Clearly it's not stopping you. Why did mom have a full plate of stuffing when she's on keto? Because carbs are comforting. Why can't I just lick my plate? If I'm in charge of the dishes, I actually encourage that. Why are there no unicorns in the Bible? Why am I not allowed to sit close to the TV? Why does water taste different in Nana's house? Why isn't Grandpa allowed to have salt? Why is gravy brown? Why are we not allowed to teach the air fishermen? Why does Cooper pick his nose so much? Why does Mom call me by my sister's name? Why do we plant all the time? Why can't I eat grass? Why can't I sit in Dad's chair? Why is Sunday school called Sunday school? Why do cows have four stomachs? Why do parents whisper when they get mad? Why do old people write in person? Why do babies have no teeth? Why is baseball so boring? Why do fish have no lungs? Why is Thanksgiving before Christmas? Had enough? Is that deja vu all over again for some of you? We live in a culture that asks the why questions. Our young people are masters at it. But make no mistake, boomers are masters at it. Busters are masters at it. Generation Xers are masters at it. Everybody wants to know why. Today's message title, where I'd give it one, is the reason for Christmas. The why of Christmas. Now, some of us simpletons, <laughs> some of us simpletons will say, well, it's the birth of Jesus. That's why they're Christmas. Just move along. Now, folks, it is Jesus' birthday. Make no mistake. But consider this. I'm going to refer to it several, several times. God didn't have to do it like he did. So why did he do it this way? Why, did he, why was there a manger? What was the reason? Why did he do it like this? Knowing that getting answers to questions is a valid thing in life, I'll remind us, particularly in this congregation with our age, there was a day when we believed things just because we were told to. Okay? I should ask you to raise your hand. How many have ever heard, because I said so? Yeah, uh, I, I wasn't going to do that. I, I wasn't going to try to embarrass you. But the truth is, is that because I said so was very prominent when I was a kid, when a lot of you were a kid. And if we're honest, many my age and older long for that day again. It was a simpler day. But I want to say two things to you. Number one, it's not going back. You can fight it till you die, but it's, we're not going back. The second thing I want to say to you is that type of philosophy is not very healthy. Somebody will go, well, why is it not very healthy? Because I said so, builds a foundational sinking sand. 
When somebody knows the facts, when somebody knows the truth, it gives us a foundation, a solid foundation to build our life on. I want to develop just for a second why I'm telling you that it's unhealthy, just to make an observation from my reading in my life. In the last 20 years, we have had a mass exodus from the church. We've had a mass exodus from religion. And the truth is, if we only give our heritage, our legacy, that is our families, our kids, if we only give these people a, a connection, a, a foundation point of because I said so, our families, our children, our grandchildren may indeed be part of the great falling away of those who abandon God, of those who abandon the church. When we connect people only to the church or only to religion without the deeper reason, without the why, falling away in this culture not only becomes possible, it becomes probable. Now before I get to the Christmas message, there's a reason for this. There's a reason that I'm starting right here. Did you realize what the fastest growing belief system in America is and what it has been since 2003? It is a group called the nuns. They're not N-U-N-S, N-O-N-E-S. The nuns. The nuns are those folks who, when it comes to spiritual things, believe absolutely nothing. Our defense mechanism rises up when we hear that. We go, well, that's because they weren't raised right. If they were raised right, they'd do right. So is raised right being in the church? I love the 41 million nuns. About 30% of them were raised to believe nothing. The rest, 70%, were raised inside a belief system. 16 million of them were raised as Catholics. Well, that's good. Yeah, wait a second. Don't get too on your high heart. High horse, seven and a half million were raised as Baptist. You got two million as as a a Nazarene and Methodist and a million apiece as as Lutheran, Episcopalian, and Presbyterian. So the truth is they came to this conclusion because they didn't know the why. You see, folks, it's important for us to know the why we believe. Here's a big answer for us today. Committing our, teaching our children, teaching our people to come to church is not the answer. Because first of all, you don't come to church, you are the church. Teaching people to come to church is not the answer, it's not our answer. It's not the answer for society. It's not Jesus' answer. It's not God's answer. It's deeper than that. At a recent pastor's meeting, my heart and mind got stirred. Brother Kevin's been on staff this week. We've been, we've been sharing some things. I may have told you this, Brother Kevin, is that uh, I heard this statement in a pastor's conference in Hattiesburg. The, the statement was, tethered to the gospel. And he was thinking about his church and his ministry and lives. 
You know what being tethered to the gospel is. I can take you back. How many of you, don't raise your hands for crying out loud. You'll show your age. How many of you remember the old tether ball we had on the playground? You had that pole in the... You're not that old, kiddo. Uh, pole in the ground. You had the tether, the ball on it, and you played. And, and you could play all you wanted to, but it were tethered to that pole so you couldn't get away. So it couldn't get away. Our lives must be tethered to the gospel. It's for the sake of the gospel that I bring this message today, that God has put it on my heart. Why did God choose to do it like this? Why did he use a virgin? Why did he send angels? Why did he go to the shepherds? Why, why, why? And yet, I know from the very start that it's a story. All of us love stories. This is God's story. This is God's story for us. He created mankind to fellowship with us. Now, you're, are you getting this? He created you and me like he did Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to fellowship with us. He wanted to enjoy us. In the garden, he came and walked with them in the cool of the day. Walking with God was no big deal because it was so familiar. But then, man had better ideas. I could say a woman had a better idea because she both ate the fruit first. But if you read that story, you know what you find out? You find out that Adam was standing right there watching her and he didn't open his mouth. And we fell into sin. And when we fell into sin, we got separated from God. You see, that's what sin does in your life. That's what sin did in their life. That's what sin does in my life. It separates us from God. At the point they disobeyed him, they became untethered from God, which is where we find creation even today. But God. Did you hear that? Sin separated us from God, Brent, but God. We are lost, but God, but God, but God put in plan. If you look at back in the, uh, in the Genesis account, on the day that they sinned, on the day he meshed out his uh, punishment, on that day, God promised that one day there'd be a baby, there'd be someone coming and crush Satan and reclaim us and restore us and redeem us. That's what Christmas is about. It's about restoring us. It's about redeeming us. It's about reconnecting us to him. Christmas is all about us getting to know God. This is going to be the most simple message that you ever hear me preach. We'll give you one truth that is the reason for Christmas. One truth, and I'm going to put four legs on that stool sort of stand. You want to know why? The why of Christmas, the reason of Christmas, it's right here, to show us God. Did y'all hear that? To show us God. Oh, wait a minute, Brother Jerry. What about the trees? What about the presents? What about family? What about Santa Claus? What about the celebration? What about all of that? I want you to hear me very clearly. If you don't listen to another word I say, listen to this. This Christmas, next Sunday, if you didn't have one tree in your house... If you didn't receive one present, 
if you didn't if you didn't have Santa Claus visit, if you had no Christmas meal, if you had no trappings that's normally associated with heaven, but for the with with Christmas, but the but what you did get is you got a fresh, clear picture of God. It would be the best Christmas you've ever had. Because you see, God loves us so much, He put all of this into play. We don't understand that. People are going, why would you say that, Brother Jerry? We don't understand that because it's been so long since mankind walked with God. We have forgotten the thrill, the wonder, the joy, the delight of knowing God. You see, after Adam and Eve fell into sin, their time with God reduced Greatly. Sin separated. Their their relationship changed and their fellowship changed because sin was in the way now. So the time that they spent with God waned. And as it waned, their relationship grew colder. Have I pushed anybody's button yet? Because the less time we spend in the presence of God, the colder our relationship would get. Well, how do you know that in the Bible, Brother Jerry? Well, because you go to Genesis. Everybody knows the first book in the Bible is Genesis. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, the fall. By Genesis 6, God looks down at man and he says, Every inclination of man's mind is evil. And then he says, I regret that I made man. In fact, I'm going to eradicate man. God regretted and he was deeply grieved about man. Man had now lost his connection to God. That's kind of where we find ourselves today. We suffer from the same malady, if you'll let me use that word. The most natural thing for mankind today, that is you, that is me, that is my babies, my children, my grandbabies, that is your children, your grandbabies, it's everybody. The most natural thing today is for us to be sinful and selfish. And if we left to our own devices, we will never seek God So we will never see God. So in the next few moments, I want to kind of put four four legs on this stool to show us God. Because we really need to see God. Everybody in this room needs to be like Isaiah. And in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. It's interesting, something always has to die for us to see the Lord. Maybe it's our pride. Have you observed how people respond these days to the mention of God's name? Or even to a preacher? I ate breakfast, as you know, and down the road every morning. I have my shirt on that has my name on the church. 
You'd be surprised some of the looks I get. People think God may be a fairy tale, maybe for weak people. Seeing God as He is with a fresh view might bring some humility to us humans. I think about Moses and Elijah, Elisha and David, Isaiah and Peter, James and John. They probably could witness to us about what it meant when they saw the glory of God. The reason for Christmas is to show us God. When I read the scripture, one of the first things I see is his power. One of the first things I see is his power. I've already asked the question, but have you ever thought about why God sent Jesus to work the way he did? Why did he why did he send an angel? Why did he use a virgin? Why did he send the shepherds? Why did he have this confused husband? Why did he send Magi? Why did he use Herod? Why did he hang a star? I mean, you think about it, God could have just allowed Jesus to appear. God could have ridden him in on a horse with a crown on his head saying, the Messiah. Why didn't he do that? Wouldn't it just have been easier? Doesn't a baby, listen, if we're really showing his power, doesn't a baby symbolize weakness? Why in the world? Here's what I submit to you. Real power, real authority doesn't have to be flaunted or boasted about. When a person has to announce things like, I'm the boss, I'm the best, I'm in charge, most of the time they're not. They're trying to convince themselves. That's not a true statement. I want you to think about this. Think about how humbly, yet how much power was involved in this birth in Bethlehem. How about the obvious? A virgin had a baby? What? A virgin had a baby? Power. When I think about him going to the shepherds, why did he get, why in the world did he choose the nasty old shepherds with nasty old sheep? Could it be that the only people who would have listened to the angels and taken off from work and gone, the only people who weren't too busy to go see what God had for them, could it be that that was the shepherds? Why a manger? A feeding trough? Why in the world? Could it be that God wanted to demonstrate that he was a God for all people, in all places, at all times. By the way, power, that manger, that little feeding trough, it became the center point of human history. Who could do that but mighty God? God had nothing to prove, but he had everything to show. And he showed us his power. And the same power that birthed Jesus in the manger is the same power that some 30 years later rose brought him back from the dead. 
took a birth like Jesus's to demonstrate God's power. He wants us to see that power. The second thing I'd say to you, the second, is that it shows us his patience. It shows us his patience. I've already said it was in the garden where God's put into plan his motion. Don't you think about that? The Garden of Eden, the beginning of time, he put in his plan his motion. He put his plan in motion to save us, to send Jesus. When I look at history, <laughs> when I look at the Old Testament, I wonder, Jimmy, why God didn't give up. Why didn't he just toss it when in the day of Noah? Why didn't he just eradicate everybody? How about the time when he brought the children of Israel to Kadesh Barnea looking inside and they said, God, you may say go, but we say no. Why did he put them in the wilderness to wander? Why didn't he just eradicate them? I mean, the list goes on and on. You, how many times did the children of Israel go chasing after other gods? God called it uh, prostitution. Chasing after other gods. Why didn't he just eradicate them? You know why? It's because of his patience. You know what? How about, how about Malachi? I don't know how long it's been since you read Malachi, but in Malachi, they had all but abandoned authentic worship. They'd done all kind of false stuff, all kind of counterfeit stuff. They were giving him second best. Ooh, that sounds like today. They were giving him second best and wondering why he wasn't blessing. He didn't eradicate it, but you know what God did at that point? He shut his mouth for 400 years. You gonna do it? You do it by yourself. And then as the New Testament opened, he picked up the story by sending an angel to tell Mary she was gonna have a baby. Oh, she questioned God. That tested his patience, but God was ready. God answered her questions. I just want to say this. God has incredible patience. Bible says he's slow to anger, but you need to hear this. He is not beyond capable of getting angry. Slow to anger. He's patient, but he's on time. Our scripture we read today, fullness of time, God sent forth his son at just the right time. I ask you a question before I pass this point. Is God having to be patient with you today? Has He called you to do something? Has He wanted you to do has He wanted you to receive His gift of salvation? Has He wanted you to pick up a ministry inside the church body? Has He called you to do something and you're saying no? Oh Lord, I'm too busy. I'll just tell you this is another sermon for another day. Somehow we've got to free ourselves a little bit. What are you doing next November the fourth? Well, you know, I got three things to do that day. That's how we plan. Is God having to be patient with you? The reason for Christmas is to show us God, His power, His patience. Number three, His presence. We've been walking without God for so long, we figure out what it's like. And the angel said to Mary, he said, here's the deal, Mary. The Lord is going to be with you because He's going to be in you. What? 
He's going to be in you because his son is who you will give birth to. You will actually call that son Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, with God coming to man, he wanted us to know he was here. All the other, all of the other religions of the world serve a God that is no longer here. Muhammad, we can walk to his grave. Confucius, we can walk to his grave. Joe Smith, we can walk to his grave. And all of them are occupied. We can walk to Jesus' grave, but bless God, it's empty. Because you see, he is still with us. My friend, haven't seen him for 30 years. Gordon Jensen wrote one of the most beautiful songs. And the lyrics go, he's as close as the mention of his name. You see, that's how close Jesus is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he's still available today. God left heaven in the form of a baby. He came to live with us. He lived here for 33 years. And he showed us by his life who God is, how much he loves us, and he gives, he wants us to have. God wanted us, and he wants us to see that he is with us. Not only is he with us, not only that he would be with us, but that he would stay with us. And some of you are going, well, Brother Jerry, he's not here anymore. He's gone. Well, you're right. And he said, it's good that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And you can have the Spirit. And with the Spirit, we can sense him. We can know him. We can see him. We can trust him. Follow him. Because of the baby in the manger, you and I today, we do not have to worship a God in absentia. We worship a God that's here among us. The last thing that I would offer to you, just to kind of keep life in balance, the reason for Christmas is to show us God, his power, his patience, his presence, his persistence. His persistence. I've already mentioned that God didn't give up. God hadn't given up. Christmas, if nothing else, should convince us of God's love, grace, and mercy. It should be that God's persistence comes to mind when we read his scripture. When you think about God's patience, it may be worth thinking about why God why God's Word reveals the ends to which God would go to restore us to Himself. I love uh, telling young people this because they don't believe me until they go read the Bible. Adam and Eve, God created the world, He created Adam and Eve, and He put them in a world with one rule. <laughs> one rule? I mean... They were in a place, and they were immortal. They were eternal. They were walking with the supernatural. All they had to do was not break one rule. Blair, you could even do that, couldn't you, honey? Probably not. Oh, she's, what an ugly face she just made at me. 
Such a beautiful girl, such an ugly face that she made at me. One rule. Don't eat the tree. Don't eat that fruit. And by the way, it was pointed out to me this week because everybody says it was an apple. I don't believe it was an apple. It could have been. But somebody said, isn't it interesting, the logo of the apple is reminds us of our first sin. Some of you don't get that. Kevin does because he's an he's a, uh, apple man. You computer apple. You look at that logo. It's an apple with a bite out of it. The truth is, is that when they ate the fruit, regardless of what it was, personally I think it's persimmon, but it's a personal choice. When they ate the apple, when they ate the fruit, when they ate the persimmon, whatever it was, sin entered the world. And as I've already said to you, it was only a few chapters later that man had all but forgotten God. So God sent a flood. When they got it recovered from the flood, man tried to outsmart God and build a tower to heaven. Call it the Tower of Babel. I mean, when I started studying this, the list just goes on and on. Why did God put up with this? I want you to hear it. The answer is his unending, his undying, and his persistent love. He wants to enjoy us. He wants to enjoy you. He wants us to enjoy Christmas. But the only way we really enjoy Christmas is to have his Christmas gift in our lives, the gift of Jesus. He wants a love relationship with us that is close and personal, not based on other things, family or what have you. God's persistent love reminds me, it's kind of like this. You've seen that young boy that's just, he's in love with it. The one. My brother walked in one day and said, Dad, I found the one. And Daddy said, again? (laughs) That boy that found the one. Except the problem was, she looked at him and said, I don't like you. I don't want you. Get away. And yet there he is. He's still following her wherever he goes. He's smitten bad. You know what I wonder? I wonder if we treat God the way that girl treated her boyfriend or her friend or the boy. I don't like you. I don't want you. I don't need you to cramp my lifestyle. I don't need you to tell me what I can't do, God. I don't need you to whittle down my schedule. I don't need you to get in my life. I mean, it's okay if I go to church, but I don't need you beyond that. I don't need a relationship with you. I wonder if we do that. God in his love promised a virgin will conceive. Think about that. 
Not only will he conceive, he'll bear a son. Now what? She'll bear a son. Now watch this. That's long before paternity test, long before gender reveal. A virgin will conceive. If that's not powerful enough for you, it won't be a girl, it'll be a boy. And he will save his people from their sin. And Jesus' birth is like he said, I love you so much that I refuse to give up. Here I am, see me, seek me, know me. God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were sinners, not when we got good enough, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. There may be somebody here who thinks you've got to straighten your life up before you come to Jesus. It works the other way. You, you come to Jesus and he'll straighten your life up. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The reason for Christmas is to show us, to show the world God, his power, his patience, his presence, his persistence. And all of those can only be trumped by his never-ending love. In our sin, when we were in our sin, he came to us. One evening at, at the dinner table, little Tommy misbehaved. Finally, his father, who was always a strict disciplinarian, remanded him and said, You don't behave, you'll be sent to your room without any food. Tommy didn't listen, and sure enough, he got sent to his room. Later that night in bed, Tommy thought of his behavior, thought about how he had embarrassed his dad and mom and also, he thought about that he was getting hungry. But he was also lonely. So he began to cry. As he cried softly, he heard footsteps down the hall. And his dad opened the door and walked over to the bed. And he said, son, I love you. And I've come to spend the night with you. Even in our sin, God sent Jesus to come. Have you responded? Have you responded to his invitation? If not, this would be a good time to do it. Let's pray together.